listening to the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Network. I'm your host, Eva Minkoff. On this show, I have candid conversations with chronic illness warriors and health practitioners who are redefining what it means to be human when faced with health challenges. I'm also the founder of Wellacopia, the matching site for healthcare relationships. We connect chronic illness wellness seekers with the integrative providers best suited to be their partners in care. To match with your dream doctor, therapist, nutritionist, acupuncturist, chiropractor, and more, visit wellacopia.com. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with my colleague and friend, Nicole Krennic. Together, we talk about how to connect with your past in order to heal. Again, Nicole is the co-founder of WANA, We Are Not Alone, an app for the community, for people with chronic and invisible conditions that foster hope, direction, and healing. She and her co-founder, Evan, came up with the idea for WANA based on their own struggles, finding the right support, and the right education at the right time. In part two of our conversation, we discuss the fascinating approach of inner child healing, the real explanations of psychosomatic and the placebo effect, and what it means to be limited versus limitless. Once again, I have no doubt you guys are going to love this conversation. Never a dull moment with Eva and Nicole. Before we get started, a reminder that all conversations and health claims on this podcast are based on individual experiences and expertise. Everyone has their own personal and professional truths and should be treated as such. Okay, let's get started. This whole area of uh, science actually has been what I feel I've based my career on, basically the mind-body connection and the impact that our thoughts uh, and emotions can have on our physical well-being. Um, and and the brain in particular. I mean, it's also if you look at it at the opposite in the opposite direction, uh, causing illness. I yeah. always like to make it clear to everyone out there if they hear about what seems like a derogatory word. Um, uh, actually, now I'm forgetting the word. Um, when it's all in your head, la la la. Psychosomatic. That's the word. Mm. Um, when when we get put down saying like, oh, it's a psychosomatic illness. It's all in your head. But the truth is psychosomatic is not defined that way at all. Psychosomatic really, what it actually means is that something originated psychologically and now has manifested physically. And wow. unfortunately everyone's like, oh, that means it's in your head. No, it means, yeah, it wasn't like you broke your arm. You broke something emotionally within you, um, whether it seemed intense to you or not at the time, actually, like because our, all of our bodies respond differently. Um, but it did like physically hurt your brain in a way. Um, yeah. So that's why, like you were saying, um, you, like having an inflamed brain of truth, I think was something you said earlier yeah. to me or on the podcast. Uh, I just thought that was a really interesting concept. Uh, and I guess now I'd really like to go into inner, um, what did you say? Inner child healing, right? Um, yeah. Oh boy. You're going to have to interrupt me on this one because I could talk about this for forever. <laughs> and, you know, in a way this was put on my radar 
um, about a year ago. And now, you know, you, you hit the top of one mountain and you realize you're only at the bottom of another one to climb. So I'm looking at inner child in a whole new way and um, right now. So inner child healing, in my understanding, um, I haven't done a lot of research on it, is really the notion that and again, this is very much my explanation, but we're born into this world, right? I mean, if you even think about the act of coming into this world, you have nothing to worry about. It's warm, it's cozy, it's juicy, it's dark. You get fed when you want, sleep when you want. And then you like, you know, come flying out of um, a canal and like, there you are. And the doctor smacks you to see if you're awake. You know, it is um, quite the entry into a new dimension, if you will. Um, and then you're born and things happen. And, you know, our parents do our, their best. I mean, one of the greatest realizations I had was being inside of a personal professional training and development seminar. And they asked for two 20 year olds to stand up. Nobody knew what was going on. They brought them in front of the room and they said, meet your parents. And everyone's like, oh my God. Meaning like they had no idea what they were doing. Their parents didn't know what they were doing. Nobody gives you a manual and you just do your best. And therein by default lies many opportunities, some more drastic than others, for a child to experience trauma, for a child to experience their needs not met. It could be as simple as being the eldest child, which I am, and then all of a sudden there's like another thing that's getting attention. That could traumatize you. It could be as significant as some others you know, much more um, aggressive, daunting things. It could be a divorce, like I witnessed with my parents. Um, you know, it could be aggression. It could be so many different things. And we often don't deal with the trauma in the way it needs to be dealt with or at all as you're young. And I really believe that which we resist persists and that which we repress grows. And I know that I've looked at childhood things, but I've never looked at them as the key out of where I am or as the key into who I am. And so inner child healing is really going back to those first memories that shaped you into being the person you are today that in some ways helps you, but in some ways hurts you. You know, I had a lot of being called to survival as a child. You know, my parents were divorced. I understood a lot as an empath from a young age. So I didn't need to know that mom and dad didn't like each other. I didn't need to hear them yell to know that, I should say. But you carry that with you as a child. And something very prevalent in the chronic illness community are sensitive people above average sensitivity. You know, empaths, people that feel things on a different level. And I myself did that as a child and I had no language for it. So you could grow up with these traumas feeling different than and again, this is sort of what I said earlier on, until you get to this place in life, a huge challenge, maybe for someone else, it's a divorce. Uh, maybe for somebody else, it's being you know, homeless or without a career. And for our community, it's dealing with a health issue. And I have found that it's almost impossible to not look at that area and get the full kind of healing you want. And I'll speak for myself personally. So inner child healing can come in many different modalities, but it's often working with somebody to take a look at those things that are either hidden to you or too scary to look at yourself and starting to dialogue with them. Um, you know, I won't go into it in too much detail, but I started writing a book that I really hope and plan to publish one day. And a huge portion of it is my theory about what chronic illness really is. And yes, a tick bites you, but there are tons of people working in Connecticut all day that either don't get bit by the tick or get bit by the tick and never show one symptom. 
And then there are people like me whose entire nervous systems get thrown upside down. And many of your listeners like that. And I think that in a way, for me personally, my understanding has been that I have ignored those unmet needs of that inner child. I've put together so many defense and survival and maladaptive coping mechanisms that the only way to get the inner child to get my attention was to create something so big to solve, such as this, since, you know, as an entrepreneur and a, a doer and an accomplisher in nature, I was going to accomplish, I was going to figure this out. And yet it's a conundrum and a catch 22 because you actually can't figure this out. You need to actually sit in it. And then through dialoguing with that inner child, it helps highlight and maneuver your way out of it. So that, that's been my experience. Um, and I actually started doing a Q&A where I start talking to this little girl. And you know she doesn't always have the nicest things to say. But I think it's about meeting your inner child, understanding how you've neglected them, or maybe you thought they wanted one thing and they want another. And I think that they think it's safe to stay sick because at least then they have your attention. And that is why I think it's so hard for so many of us to get well. And that's where inner child comes in, where we need to start showing them that actually their idea of chaos is what's unsafe and being healthy is actually what's safe. And it's not for the faint of heart at all, um, but it's, it's well worth it. And I think it's something that, you know, as you intimated earlier, this conversation is for a particular community, but it's actually for the humans at large. Because I really believe if people are able to do this work prior to the tick biting them, it might not manifest in the way it did for someone like me and many of us. I was, I think when we, I think when we met, I told you what I believe my inner child story is. And I'm reviewing it again as, as you talk. And I was trying to get clear and, and, you know, it's a lot of work. It's not an easy thing. Um, but I've. I've done some digging. I think that there's a lot of moments in our lives that can be labeled as, you know, quote unquote trauma. And sometimes it's in like the typical sense that people think of, and sometimes it's not. Uh, I do think a, a way of figuring that out is often if, if, or like an easy way to try and figure that out, if it's a very old memory from your childhood is if you remember it vividly. Uh, to this day, I think that's usually a good indicator. Just putting that yeah. out there. <laughs> that, that's definitely, that, that was definitely my first one. <laughs> yeah. Crying like, on the floor of my kitchen as I watched my mom, and I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it, 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 it comes back to you. And even if it's not vivid, um, I went to a treatment center in Florida last year and I worked with an inner child therapist while I got these all natural IVs that boosted my system. And she took me through this journey. She put me into a meditative state. She didn't tell me what was going to come to mind but a memory I had actually not remembered for a very long time shot up. And to someone else, like you're saying, it may not seem traumatic, but that was the very first one that came to mind. And as you're intimating, it's, it came to mind for a reason. <laughs> it ought to be looked at if it's yeah. remembered or seen. Yeah. And I know that it, these experiences do happen to people at an age where they typically can't remember anything, like let's say as a newborn. Although some people still say they can't. So I'm not really sure how that works. I, I think the memory definitely stays within your body. I mean, my Absolutely. sister my sister was definitely traumatized when she was, like really unfortunately, when she was little, like she spent her first birthday in hospital 
She had wow. something called cat scratch fever, which is kind of like a form of rabies. It's not rabies. Um, but my sister had multiple surgeries when she was an infant. And my parents said that before any of these surgeries, they literally called her Smiler. Like that was wow. her nickname. And wow. she, I won't go into it because she'd be very unhappy if I said anything, but let's just put it <laughs> this way. She wasn't after that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, then, and she doesn't, she remembers a feeling, but she can't actually remember what was happening, but it definitely stayed with her for sure. Um, for me, mine was, mine actually relates to fibromyalgia directly from what I can tell. Uh, I was eight years old and I started everyone, anyone who listens to this podcast more than one episode knows that I'm a ballet dancer and that it had a big impact on my life. Um, but when I was eight, I did my first serious show, like a show at the, that's also part of a big ballet company. And I fell when I was doing this movement across the stage towards the end of the performance. And, and I fell and I got up and then I continued dancing and I was fine. But when I was on my way home with my mom, she turned around to me in the back seat in the car and she was crying and she said how proud she was of me. And it's so interesting that a, it seemed like a wonderful moment in a way, right? Like I have such an amazing mother. She, she was proud of me for getting up and, and, and going despite me having fallen on stage as an eight-year-old. But the way my body registered that or my mind and then my body was that I did something really wrong. Because if my mom was crying, even though she was proud, it meant that like I had, I, I should have been proud of myself because I did something that was unexpected. Uh, and I don't remember having pain before eight years old, but I definitely remember having pain after eight years old. Wow. Wow. And, and, you know, I can't, I can't help but notice that while you so generously shared your story and I did not mind, <laughs> it involved both of our mothers crying. Um, and I remember also in the kitchen, something feeling incredibly wrong about that. And I think for me, that's when I told myself, and you never remember telling yourself, but that's when you, I told myself something's wrong with weakness, something's wrong with feelings. And then, you know, you live a life trying to not be weak and not feel. And I mean, power to anyone who does that and chronic illness doesn't pay a visit to them because that's a lot to carry in one's body to never be weak and not, not feel feelings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the trauma loop earlier. Yes. Uh, and in regards to sort of ruminating on your identity and, and your sickness and I know that that's an issue that like all of us have or have had at some point, but even when it comes to the trauma loop of sort of this inner voice, like that's, that's really traumatizing saying like, I'm not good enough, which eh, we all feel <laughs> in various ways and have to fight. But like, well, for me, that's, the, that's the trauma loop we're interrupting. So like lightning process, they don't even deal with the sick stuff. They deal with uh, self-defeating thoughts, you know, low self-esteem, um, worry, concern, fear, because the symptoms are sort of like at the bottom of that tank. 
You know, what's at the top of the tank feeding the symptoms are all these negative thoughts. Um, so yeah, you're, you're spot on. Those are actually more or as important to interrupt as the other thoughts because they are what leads to them. Um, you know, it used to, 10 years ago, if you would have told me like, oh, you can manifest anything, you could change your health by changing your thoughts, I'd be like, yeah, okay, and if I hold a crystal, I'll feel it vibrating. And I'm quite the different person today, and I'm a living example that like, there is science to it, you know, it's not, it's, it's those people that are fortunate and haven't had to actually apply it in a life or sort of seemingly death situation that, that may not gravitate towards it but when you're out of all other options like you will start catching your thoughts and if you see progress you will make it all about doing that you know absolutely and for all those who may not really understand maybe um the validity in what we're talking about here because it's it's really hard to see things that aren't visible sometimes um, but to put it into a scientific term that people are familiar with, or maybe I even need to explain this further, but sure. um, the placebo effect. The placebo effect I have real big issues with. And when I say I have issues, I don't have issues with the placebo effect. I have issues with its reputation. So the placebo effect, first of all, and you can ask any, any scientist this, at least in medicine, um, that it is just as effective, if not more effective than a lot of medications, not all medications, obviously. Medications are necessary for a lot of situations, a lot of people. But the placebo effect essentially means that your brain has told your body that X, Y, and Z is happening. And really, it just it, you can almost translate it to belief and a change of mindset. That's really what the placebo effect is. It's not trickery. It's you deciding that something is a certain way and then your body catches up essentially. Now this isn't gonna work for everything, right? Like you're gonna need antibiotics sometimes. Um, it's just the case there's, um, and again, I am very pro-medicine when, when it is necessary and when it's right. Uh, but there is so much more, so much more that can be done without it in just having a mindset shift. And of course I'm making, as you said, like this much, it sounds much simpler than it is, but it, I'm just pointing out that it's by all means possible. Yeah. And, you know, if I'll share a, a brief anecdotal story with you that yeah. really, you know, um, exemplifies exactly what you're saying. So Number one, for all you courageous, amazing listeners out there, there's an exceptional book by Dr. Joe Dispenza called The Placebo Effect. Your jaw will be open most of the book after story and story and story of the placebo effect in effect. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you a personal story. So when I realized mold uh, was a big part of my story and that unfortunately there is mold at least in 90-something percent of all New York City apartments and Florida and, and everywhere else, right? It's actually something we're supposed to be able to live amongst. And when I found out that there was mold, it was very hard for me to find a home. <clears throat> I moved into one with an exceptionally low mold score. And then I brought in some old clothing that was contaminated from my original home. And within days, my symptoms went crazy. 
so much so that I moved out of that home. Now, now knowing what I know two years later about mold, I would give anything to be back in that home with that low score. Fast forward to 2018, when I was living in a hotel and on my mother's couch and like actually needed a home for survival, I found a temporary apartment and I said to the doctor and my mother, I'm going to test it for mold and I want you to lie to me. Tell me the score is below a three, make up any number, but I don't want to know what's in this home. And I moved in, no air filter, no fogging, no treatment, nothing to change the dynamic of the environmental air quality there. That was around the time I did dynamic neural retraining system and began my retraining practice. I moved out of there virtually symptom-free four months later into my original home, which was still full of toxic mold. And unfortunately, the remediator, as unfortunately many do, didn't know how to properly treat it, told me it was safe. And within 10 days, it took me from 90% better to nearly 20%, 10 days. Once that happened, I called my doctor and I said, okay, guys, I'm not stupid. (laughs) There's mold everywhere. Obviously, in that home, believing it was safe and having a certain level of mold, it must have been the combination that allowed it to be within my training zone. That's something they talk about in neuroplasticity. You don't want to go into the lion's den, but you want to incrementally expose yourself within your training zone to the thing your body's overreacting to. Very long story short, I got the results back. It was triple the amount I thought it was. It was triple the amount any doctor would have said was safe. But because I was training my brain every day and subconsciously really believed it was safe, It was safe enough to me to have left 90% symptom-free. So if that doesn't explore and and, explain the placebo effect in effect, I I don't know what does because I defied the environmental air quality by neurologically retraining my brain and psychologically believing it was safe and it was not. Damn. Right. That's not gonna say that. <laughs> now I need to figure out how to do that in this current apartment, but <laughs> joke, it's safe. <laughs> yeah, I there our ability to manifest through our belief thing overall is really really quite astounding. And I'm I'm definitely gonna put a link to that book and maybe some other stories that there are countless stories, even within each person's life, whether we're aware of them or not. Um, how what we decided was possible actually became possible purely because we decided it. Um, And if anyone wants to yell at me later and wants to have a conversation about this, I am happy to do so. You can yell at her while I retrain my brain. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I, so the word healthy, what, what, what does healthy mean to you? How would you define that? It's a really great question. Um, So the first thing that comes to mind is, it's quite a big word, but usually they say what comes to mind first, let it come out of your mouth. And the word that I thought was limitless. Um, The opposite of limitless is being limited. And my experience in my somewhat bizarre symptoms that still remain is that I'm limited. Like most people live with Wi-Fi. Most people don't care of going to an office with 40 uh, computer routers near them at any given moment. I think that's changing with 5G and people's um, awareness. 
and I'll leave it at that, not going to touch it, but being limitless, um, being not stopped, not limited by anything health related, being who I was in 2016, where I thought, and let me say something, I don't ever want to be who I was in 2016. I want to be who I am today and who I'm going to be as a result of the journey. I actually have no desire now that I'm in the lessons phase and now that I'm a co-founder of this app to go back to once was, what once was. But when I think of 2016, I think of feeling remarkably empowered, of wanting to go to Thailand on a fancy three-week solo trip and doing it, of calling a $10 million owner when there's hundreds of other brokers more established, yet winning the listing and selling it, of looking up at the sky and seeing the joy, of a man asking me on a date and me not wondering if the lights are going to be too bright and I have to wear a hat because of my light sensitivity. It's literally freedom. Limitless and freedom is what comes to mind. And if you ask me, okay, but what's underneath that? It's balance. It's the opposite of inflammation. It's a neutralization and an integration of mind, body, and soul. It's the ability to talk to the little girl in me and fear without a computer there and a question answer form as my body tenses. I'm scared what she's going to say, but it's literally being able to sit there with whatever comes up and to be exactly as I am and as exactly as I'm not, but not have this conversation about health be in the forefront or the background of my life at all except the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's what I think will be my healthy very soon. Can I like give another applause? <laughs> I don't know what I said, but I'm sure I'll hear it when this thing goes live. <laughs> I rarely know what I say in these podcasts. You're on it, girl. You are on it. <laughs> I got to say, um, so limitless. Well, first of all, that's a... That's definitely not one I've heard before, and I really love it. It's, it's, it's actually I was comparing it to when I asked people like, why, why do you want to earn money? Like, if you won the lottery or you had a career where you earned a lot of money, like, what's the reason? And generally speaking, a lot of people come back with the same answer, even if they need to whittle it down. And it usually comes down to freedom, or and or security, which in in some ways I, I find synonymous at times. Um, and I think this is very similar in that all we really want is to not be limited. We want to be able to do and feel whatever it is that, that comes our way that we desire, that is positive. Uh, but what I also like about what you said is that it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have physical limitations. It's... Well, actually, I would like to hear what you think about being limitless or working towards being limitless uh, as your state of healthy. So it's interesting um, because I have the gift of, of recovery and because I don't have the luxury or you know, curse of, of numbing any part of my life experience these days, I get to see and hear and feel my ego, feel that little girl, feel that shadow when it comes up. So when you said, and I, I may butcher what you said, but when you said, um, I like that you said limitless, but that may not mean the absence of physical limitations. My, my ego was like, yes, it does. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm still working on that, um, which I, I actually think is a whole other conversation around acceptance. Like 
why do you have to be, quote, fully healthy and recovered to be limitless, you know? And actually, my position on what you're asking is, is really quite changed because I'm not speaking right now for myself or for just about me. I'm talking to the world at large. And there are people out there that have physical limitations and live remarkably limitless lives. There are people whose legs got amputated that run marathons, you know, so who am I to say that I need to be free of all of my quote stuff to be limitless. Um, But in my mind, freedom for me personally. So I actually feel in a way, an immense amount of freedom right now. But I would be inauthentic if I said that to me, there's an even greater freedom, a limitlessness that I don't feel yet, and I know I will feel soon, that will come with the disappearance of those physical limitations. Um, And, you know, something anecdotally that I think about often is I lived in this world, right? Many people who are into spirituality really believe at their core that they chose this world, that they even chose their parents, right? Wild, wild concept, mom and dad, I love you. Just saying, (laughs) it's a wild concept. Um, And yet I lived with Wi-Fi. I lived in the home that I owned for 15 years with black mold. It did not show up when I was in Thailand, I assure you. And I lived with freedom. You know, any limitations I had were not related to health. They were related to self-imposed limitations. So I know if I lived once amongst just the world as it is, whatever the world is around us, and I chose to be here, that I could again, you know, it's really, again, that's why it's a remembering and a returning to not a completely unique new experience, but in a way it is new. I feel like I'm getting way too deep in all this, but that that's pretty much my answer that you know i think i think true limitlessness is probably having physical limitations but not living experientially as if you do but for me personally it's not having them well said that's that's where i was going with that awesome (laughs) it's it's a hard one to conceptualize at times especially when things are as hard as they are now and we are actually like or we should be sorry for preaching here, but we should be physically limited. Amen. Right now. <laughs> Nobody go outside or don't, you know, limit yourself there. But uh, actually even using that as an analogy, like, yeah, I'm home. I The only place I've been in two months is the grocery store. Uh, and even that I'm trying to limit, but I feel, I've like opened up this whole other um, area of opportunity in my life. And I don't, I don't know. I don't actually feel that limited. I feel very lucky. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah, lucky. I, I resonate with that. I feel that too. Um, it's been a welcomed slowdown for me um, and a needed one and tremendous healing in two months. So, yeah. yeah. And you were already becoming a pro at quarantining before quarantining was a thing. <laughs> you know, I said, I said, and it's, it's not funny, but I guess it is because, you know, laughter, by the way, is one of the best ways to brain retrain. Oh. It's one of the, yeah, it's one of the five, five aspects of the program I do actually is elevating your mood. Um, so like before this podcast, I put on Rocky and I'm not going to tell you the kind of dancing I did around my apartment, but it, it's a big part of it. So yeah, yeah, I resonate with this. When uh, quarantine began, I was like, you know what? I can actually breathe easier. I don't have FOMO. And it's literally like all the weight I've carried 
for a year of hardly being able to leave my home is no longer mine alone to carry. It's been a really unfortunate delivery of a beautiful experience, I think, for many people. Yeah, I agree. And some anticipated it being that way and some did not. I did not. I don't know how I'm okay. I mean, I actually, I do. I have tapped into it, but I kept saying to people when everyone's like, how are you? How's your quarantine? And I'd be like, um, I don't know how I haven't been bouncing off the walls because I am such an extrovert. Like I yeah, you love and I love being around <laughs> <laughs> um, and out and stuff. So it's, I don't, but I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think given, you know, your, your history and what your listeners know about you, I think that's probably one of the lessons that I'm going to just put myself out there that you've learned, which is like, okay, I have to make the best of what I'm being given right now. You're forced to do that um, when you deal with health issues because the fight against it is the ultimate suffering. So here we are in quarantine and here you are making the best of it. You know, I think that people who have gone through things like we have are almost better set up for these moments if they allow it to be that way. Yeah, it's definitely a way to look at it. I know not everyone is, uh, but that's definitely something I encourage people to try on. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, listen, it's, it's, it's not easy. And like I said, I kicked and screamed for three years. So I totally resonate with this making one's journey even more hard. I, I really do. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Care Podcast part of the Invisible Not Broken podcast network. If you haven't already, please take the next 30 seconds to do these three things. Hit our subscribe button, leave feedback with a review, and share this episode with a loved one. Don't forget to check out our official Invisible Not Broken network Facebook group. Please join us in our community conversations where you can ask questions, connect with fellow Invisible Illness peers, and make suggestions for the podcast. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash Invisible Not Broken. And this link will, of course, be in the show notes. Also, if you ever want to submit a question or suggestion directly, feel free to send an email to chronicillnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for tuning in and being part of our mission to transform healthcare into human care.